0: We're operating in a worldview and a theology. we are like, no, no, no. your relationship with your earth matters. Your relationship with your soul matters. There's this place as an artist where everyone else is running for cover from the rain. You want to climb the church steeple and you
1: want to get struck by lightning.
0: At the end of the day, you don't get a medal for being in pain and not taking anything. All you do is hurt everyone around you.
1: John kind of thinks for a moment and he
0: goes, This is the thing that I would want every young man to know.
1: Ka-chow, ka <laughs> <laughs> Was
0: that you shooting from the hip lane? Yeah, it was. That was me fast and loose. Guys, got a great show for you today. It's about success. I think we guys are going to enjoy it. It's a uh, success as uh, understood by a, a 20-something man. Enjoy. I'm Blaine. And I'm Sam. And we're going to talk
1: about the millennial world today. When you're listening to this, the election is over. But right now, it is in three days. So... Where we actually want to go is not politics, but what we have been thinking about right now, and it just happens to correspond with the end of this electoral season, is um, a fairly complex concept that is very distinct for a young man. And I just want to start with a quote uh, that's from William James that he wrote in a letter to H.G. Wells, and this is in 1906. And James writes, "...the moral flabbiness born of the bitch goddess success." that with the squalid cash interpretation put on the word success is our national disease. And I... Whew. Right?
0: Yes. Yeah, uh, I mean,
1: it's killer. And the thing that's so fascinating for me about that quote is this is, this is 110 years ago at this point hmm. and already William James was sensitive to a kind of emaciation in the way that we understood success. And he pointed to already this logic was forming that wealth, like accumulation of money, was somehow uh, definitive of a person's success. And he saw that as totally limiting. And even 100 years later, though I think many millennials agree, there's still this association between, um, this, this limiting association between success and um, some kind of power or profit that is really problematic.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that. Uh, Actually, yesterday, I picked up our other brother, Luke, from the airport, and we were driving back into town. And he's right at that age now, just graduated this last May from college. And he's engaging all of those conversations around work. And so these ideas about success aren't just... Um, kind of bemoaning how we feel like being a successful person is having a certain size paycheck, or how we all bow down to worship this idea that has been going on for over a century, and, and arguably has been going on for millennia. But as it pertains like to our daily life, we want to be successful people, and the word success is contrasted by the word failure. And so, if I have an option between the two, I, I want to be successful. But I, I think we were stepping in those waters that we don't really know what that means. And Luke is yes. sitting there going, okay, so for me right now, that to being successful is I got to find a job and I want to continue my education. And in the meantime, I kind of need to pay for rent and pay for utilities and pay for dates and all that sort of thing. And he found himself in the world that, uh, you know, I've found myself and most other young guys have found themselves. You're, you're cruising through Craigslist looking for any job. Totally. And, at that point, the reality hits you square in the face: of uh, you can be a vacuum salesman on the floor of a retail warehouse, you can, you know, dip fries into hot oil, or you can, you know, give your design abilities for relatively low fees online, and you realize success feels very far away. And even the idea of what success might mean feels so abstract and so unhelpful that I've I really wanted to dive into this idea of what would I define it now as a 27-year-old, but what would a 20-something-year-old define success as?
1: It really is amazing how quickly when you enter the professional world or you're, you're simply just trying to live as an adult, this massive experience begins to characterize your world, which is not only being behind, but for me, some sense that I didn't know how to make the world work for me. Like, Mm -hmm. I hadn't, you know, achieved this general capability in my work, in my understanding of, you know, politics, economy, community, church, in such a way that I was this meaningful agent who could achieve things very quickly in his or any field. And instead, it was more of a tacit experience of disorientation in the world. Where I There were things that I knew that I wanted in relationship to my work especially, but more broadly to my abilities as a man in the world, and that included my relationships. And what I wanted was some experience you know, that my work was uh, not just meaningful, but was uh, acute, that it was specific to the problem at hand, that it was capable of producing change in the world as was, you know, but what I had instead was, you know, a kind of blasé experience of taking a job that I could find, which happened to be at a middle school, trying to produce uh, advantageous cash flows, which turned out to be basically impossible. (laughs) And therefore, you know, like, having weekend beers with my fellow college graduates
0: And just looking at each other being like, what happened? What is this? What are we doing? Totally. There's a whole deeper conversation there about the the shift and the lie of even education and and what you expect to be stepping into with a degree. But in terms of success and paycheck and life success, interpersonal success, um, I think I was in this very similar space of... Uh, We talked a lot about paying your dues uh, with Killing Lions and that uh, series out in the desert. And the the question I remember you asking there was, I'm afraid of putting in the wrong dues because you get this job at a middle school and you start, you know, plugging away. And, uh, you know, we got a friend in town who's been working in a school system and he's going on year four there and knows that that level of education isn't where he wants to be. And knows that, yes, he's gained some skills over four years, but it doesn't feel like success when the paycheck isn't a certain size and when the job doesn't line up with our idea of it. So as I began to kind of define or redefine success, I've had to come to terms with some things primarily that the world would love to define it for us. And it's done a pretty good job of it. Because when we think of success as a certain level of income or a certain size house or an ability to have nice things whenever we want, we are pursuing an idea that is constantly out of reach. Um, we may not want our parents' houses filled with their suburban crap, but if we haven't actually taken time to define what success means for us— we might be surprised that what we want is just a new iteration of the old, which kind of goes along with this other quote that I have here from Martin Luther King Jr., almost the same wording. Um, I actually found this quote after what I had been putting down, and it's, we are prone to judge success by the index of our salaries or the size of our automobiles rather than by the quality of our service and relationship to humanity. And I think what was really good about all of that is if if we don't name it, then success really is, when have you arrived? And is that in your 30s? Can you do that soon? And what does arriving mean? And it is the house or the car or the paycheck. And we've, I think, been aware enough, and we, we are operating in a certain worldview, that we've seen people get that and not have developed success of character. Yes. And it implodes. Yes. Or that they get there and, you know, this, you can't buy happiness, but you can buy, a, you know, a, a yacht in Hawaii, And then there is just this internal hollowness. Um, So they're twofold. There's the track of success that I think is vocational, that is your work, that is what you're meant to do in the world. And then there's a track of success that I think is your character, which is a a long-term strategy. It's, It's just interesting the degree to which I feel like, on
1: some level, that if I were an exceptional person, You know, money would just somehow happen. It would like kind of like a gravitational force. Like I would just, it would just be there as a kind of, you know, ornament on the reality of my achievement.
0: Right. It's cold outside and there's precipitation. Therefore, there's snow. I'm a talented person and And I want to. And therefore, there's lots of money. (laughs) Exactly. Because,
1: but I think definitely uh, the problem comes when I begin to read that backwards right away. And that's, you know, in order to be doing well, I, I need to have some something to you know sit on. Essentially, there's just this fascinating element uh, the model of success that is primarily based on on kind of the what you have. And if you're doing well, you'll have things. Therefore, if you have things, you're doing well. This model of success, its money, doesn't include who you're living with, what effect you have on them, or like where you are in the world and what you're actually able to accomplish. What what happens when you enter a space?
0: Totally, um, and when I think about this idea of having things, I know that there's been a, a shift in what that means, and I know that uh, most people these days might say, "Well, I don't want, you know, a suburban house filled with just stuff. I want a few things, and I want them to be very nice, and like this minimalist or this uh, this high quality, almost like the Patagonia model of of things, which I personally totally ascribe to, and it's helpful to also name that as a similar." model of success. Totally. Like just because you don't want as many things or and it does not the same iteration that it was a generation before, we're living in a new iteration of what that means. Yes. So for me to be a man of character, I'm committed to a long term, like a long game of development. Like I want to make choices with integrity. I want to learn to love others well. I want to be able to offer strength and mercy to fight on behalf of those who can't to bring justice and beauty to the world. Like that's what being a man of character is to me. It's the guy who can love and father his secretary while not sleep with her.
1: You know, you just made me think of one of my favorite bits of etymology is actually the word virtue. And we've talked about this, uh, you know several times together, but you know, virtue actually comes from virtus, which uh, in the Latin would mean manly strength or Mm. worthy of a man in the development of specifically virtue, you are actually developing manly strength. Hmm. And I think the question for me then becomes, if you're committing to a model of success that is rooted in virtue, is rooted in the kind of person you're going to become and the kind of effect that's going to have as a
0: matter of course in the world, like how do you do that? What, what are you looking at? Yeah, well, for me, it actually gave... Um really helpful ideas for when I'm entering into a new job. So I I worked as a little, as a time as a bartender and was really interested in, in learning just cocktails and mixology and and the craft of staying behind a bar and engaging customers. Um, that's, kind of this, I think romanticized idea. Maybe it's a saloon in my mind and people are rolling through town and they're kind of the the watering hole, but (laughs) (laughs) they are, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, When I think about bartending in terms of like, am I raking in the dough? Am I moving on vocationally to uh, next steps and and accomplishing things and and just beginning to further my career? Like, no, it totally fails that test. But if if I'm wanting to be a man of character, then actually bartending can be a total valid use of time because it's teaching me humility. It's teaching me hard work. It's it's teaching me these things that, like, Calvin and Hobbes, like, his dad might say, you know, it's building character. Absolutely. But, like, as much as I hate that, there are aspects of it that's totally true. Like, scraping the food off of the floor that a really rude customer just made a mess and, you know, tipped me, like, crap and um, was a terrible interaction, and yet still I need to serve them and serve their needs. Like, that is... Incredibly humbling, and you can either get better at people, and you can you know respond the way you want that day. But the truth of the matter is, like uh, a king who knows what it's like to serve is a king that you would want to follow. And so, in that respect, like putting in your time isn't you know this. Well, I'm going to be a bar back for two years, and then I'm going to be a bartender for you know ten. I'll be a lifer, and then eventually I'll end up in a in a really nice swanky bar. And that might be the story. That might be the story for someone. But actually, I think of putting in time as like an investment of that. What are areas that are going to build character? So for you working in a school, like you're learning interpersonal relationships. You're learning integrity as you engage young people's lives. You're not necessarily uh, putting a lot of weight into your 401k.
1: Yeah. You know, it's so interesting, Sam, because I, you just made me think that if it were to come to physical exercise, I think that most people have a kind of a at least a tacit, clarified understanding of what that's going to do. Of It's going to build a kind of functional body. I think that many people have a far less developed understanding of the kind of thing that character development is going to build. Like the, And I just think of some of the pivotal moments in my understanding of this have been, you know, when I actually read Dallas Willard's Spirit of the Disciplines, when I actually read Kreeft's book on virtue. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I was confronted with a clarified understanding of like, this is what you want to become. Mm -hmm. You want to become, even that you were able to put the language of patience and humility on picking stuff up off the floor. On the one hand, it's obvious. Like when you were cleaning up the floor after a customer, most people understand that that's a humble act, but it's very different to go, you know, I'm doing something humble and have a clarified understanding of I want to be a patient person who is capable of overlooking the offenses of others. There's a proverb that I really like that says mm-hmm. that it is the mark of a king to overlook an offense. Mm. That there's this developed ability to just not even count this one. Be like, yep, but you know what? Mm. Not only do I need to not forgive that, we just won't count
0: this against you. Yeah. You. Wh- where's the part? You started with exercise? Did I... What was the... Oh, how the exercise tied in? Yeah, yeah.
1: The exercise is, you know, if I'm getting on the training bike, I kind of know what i want to become i want to become fast i want to become fuel efficient i want to have a high lactate threshold if i'm developing character in my 20s that's just so much more abstract for me like mm, totally becoming is. a man who can handle the world and so i was just it saying it sounds nice it sounds so nice but there have been a few things that have helped me understand what that would look like i just know that i want more like i want the you know systemic expression of you know what You know what a man is supposed to do? You know what a virtuous life is supposed to look like? Dun, 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 dun,
0: dun. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, becoming that man doesn't happen overnight. Um, I've personally learned a few things that I need in that respect. Like if I'm going to get on the treadmill for my legs and my cardio system, then I actually need a few other things, different things for character, right? And very specific. I need to seek out older men who have... These traits and learn how they got them. Whether that's reading, uh, you know, the greats. If that's Chesterton, Kreeft. If that's spending time one-on-one with guys in my world um, and choosing to initiate, choosing to seek out those ancient paths that we say that we're after. Um, and it's also surrounding myself with other young men that want to grow in similar ways. I know there's lots of catchy little sayings about you know the people around you are who you become so surround yourself with all those sorts of things and and yet there's actually that that truth of i found i'm most drawn to young guys who even though they may not have words for this kind of end goal they're able to articulate at least the longing the desire and that they're able to take a step at a time like i have a idea of the man i want to be in 20 years and today i don't really know what that looks like because all i want right now is a beer and work is really brutal and i've taken up you know I'm on my fifth career in nearly as many years post-college, Yes, and I want to be able to put myself in situations where I can begin to train and develop those characteristics. So Mm -hmm. though I had a short time bartending, that doesn't mean that that was the end of my time learning humility. I felt the need to put my name on something years ago. Like I wanted to build something and put my name on it, whether it was an online magazine, whether it was a house, whether it was a brand, whether it was a book, like I needed to create something and put my name on it. And almost that like impatience was a lack of humility. And I I know I know that there are, are older guys who might go, you yeah, know, you're just the, the little upstart. And like, that's true. And that's also not, true like that's not helpful because the desires there are good they are good like we want to create we want to steward we want to engage and shutting that down and just saying like well what you really need is some humility and you need to just take it slow there tiger like that isn't that helpful mm-hmm. but if what i'm what i'm motivated by isn't just being thwarted but is intentionally choosing you know like I, i'm 27 i'm middle management and i'm, I'm in a, a steward of someone else's project i'd love to be working on my own but taking on someone else's and making that happen and giving that my full passion is a new form of learning humility so there's that constant like i can see people out i can choose to engage certain areas and and right now like that's that's a very real way of of building that
1: yeah that's super good i want to add a another quote to this conversation that uh it kind of blew me away recently, and when I'm done reading and talking about this quote, I'm going to ask you about the three things that you hope to develop in your 20s that can be said definitively of you, but I'm going to give you some lead-in time so you can begin to think of that. There's um, a quote by Wendell Berry that I just love around success, and what it is is, quote, and so you must refuse to accept the common delusion that a career is an adequate context for a life. The logic of success insinuates that self-enlargement is your only responsibility and that any job, any career, will be satisfying if you can succeed in it. But I can tell you, on the authority of much evidence, that a lot of people highly successful by that logic are painfully dissatisfied. I can tell you further that you cannot live in a career and that satisfaction can come only from your life. To give satisfaction... Your life will have to be lived in a family, a neighborhood, a community, an ecosystem, a watershed, a place, meeting your responsibilities to
0: all those things to which you belong. Who is that again? That's Wendell Berry. Uh. <laughs> I knew at the beginning, and then I knew it at the end, by the way. Well, oh, you know it again. It was, it was, he gave it
1: in a commencement address. Um, but in classic Wendell Berry fashion, I love that he describes there, and what he's able to come back to again and again, is this element of success is the ability to meet your responsibilities, to carry out your role well in every one of your relationships. That His understanding of success is being able to be a great brother, be a great steward of someone's project, a great caretaker for the land that you happen to live in, uh, being deeply concerned for the life and attitudes of the
0: neighborhood where you live. There's like something about that for me that just really clarifies the issue. Oh, totally, because we can get very sucked into this first world idea that your only relationship is kind of with your employer and your sales or your well-being and your home, your family, and it kind of ends there. It gets a little fuzzy, but it's just like, ah, oh, yes, right. Like, we're operating in a worldview and a theology. We're like, no, no, no. Your relationship with the earth matters. Yes. Your relationship with your soul matters. Your relationship with your brother, your family, your friends, like, that is just as important and just as needing of stewarding like ah that's so that's so good
1: absolutely it just feels like one of the great barometers of the success of maturation of a man is what happens to a place when he arrives in it like literally on a basic level uh does the flourishing of an area increase as a consequence of this person's presence
0: what happens to a world when a man enters into it yes that's phenomenal uh, we didn't pick these quotes to ping pong off each other, but I feel like this complements it really well. This is a Philip Yancey quote from Soul Survivor, and it's uh, it reads, In the United States, a success-based theology may work out plausibly well, if only because the resources of the nation are so large. But such a theology has little to say to Christians in China or Indonesia or Iran, where Christian faith compounds suffering. Cheese. Right. So it's again just like wrestling and coming to terms with I think our definition of success uh, needs to be, it demands to be just wider than our paycheck. And yet uh, it's easy to feel that at this stage in life. Like, man, I mean I I can say it and then I also feel the same pull. Like I said these words the other day um when we were thinking about my wife potentially not working and going to a, a single income household. And I thought to myself, like, oh, that's totally fine. I just need to make twice as much as what I'm making now. <laughs> yes. Like, that was that was my obvious security. And there's a ton there to be unpacked in regards to, like, what's being a good steward of my kingdom. Yes. And what's grasping and trying to, like, make sure everything goes okay. Like, can I have 10000 in my emergency savings? Do we have, you know, X number in our retirement by our the end of our 20s and like all that can feel like where's the difference between like wisdom and, and grasping is is really murky and we don't that's a yeah. rabbit hole that we can stay away from because I do like I want to come back to even outside of work and even outside of paycheck, like what is the effect of the world when you enter into it? Yeah you just made me think of one of the things uh, that clarifies also the issue
1: for me that's pretty interesting is do you happen to know where the word success comes from? Hey, more etymology. More etymology. <laughs> I'm ready. Etymology with blade. For those that didn't know, I studied Latin as an undergraduate. <laughs> etymology with blade time. And
0: um, success is actually a, a past participle in Latin. Um, and I know you can't tell when he's not being sarcastic anymore because No, it's, it's true. Seamless, it is. But he is. Yeah, he's being honest again. So it's a past participle. It
1: literally just comes from. Uh, a past participle, a verb meaning to follow. So success describes uh, what follows from an event. And, you know, that, that was how success was understood. It's, you know, it's unclear if it was actually like occupying the same role as like, is a person winning at their job as it does now. But for the first thousand years of language, success was... Purely described in terms of subject action or um, action consequence relationships of what happens when you're doing one kind of thing.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's just so fascinating because that puts it for me, and then just, oh, like, what is success? Well, actually, that's, that's really a simple question. Um, success is what is the effect of what you are doing? What is happening as a consequence of the way that you are living? And If you want to put that in positive terms, you're looking for consequences of your life that are positive,
0: yeah. I remember this new coffee shop opened up in town uh, about a month ago, and like we're obviously massive fans because it's they, really they, really delicious. They do phenomenal work, and it's it's amazing. I could sit there all day long. But I remember before they opened, we were already a little bit irritated with them. Do you remember why? Uh, you have to remind me, <laughs> okay, because, it was as though their unspoken uh, slogan, their drive was, we can do this better. Yes. And it's you know a collection of people that have been working in the industry for a while. They're all super talented baristas, and they have a great understanding of space and what makes for a good coffee shop, house, roasting. Like, I mean, this is top to bottom. They know the experience, and their motivation in creating their own and collaborating was, we can do this better. We can create a better espresso pole we can roast these beans better we can create a a better atmosphere than anywhere else in town like we can do it and i remember being kind of upset with them that like that that would be the end that the end of that dream is doing it better than someone else yeah because that's
1: like yeah okay i'm remembering this conversation now and it's because that is half of a vision right and i think the fact that it's half of a vision is like Really problematic um, and really limiting because, you know, a a better question, and this is obviously because of the influence of Seth Godin on my worldview, is um, what is the change you are trying to create in the world? Like, what? And you can answer a few questions with the work that you're doing, and it's who are the people that I care about, for whom I feel empathy, and what do I want to provide for them? What is the change that I want to produce? Or you know, what is the area to which I want to add value? And, you know, in a a business like a coffee shop, it's really easy to have one half of the model and go, you know, what we're about is creating an exceptional product. And and you can tag on to that and that's going to create, that's going to have particular kinds of effects. But what it doesn't answer is, what do you want? What is the need that you see and are addressing with your work? And I think what's interesting is there's this return um, that I think is really important and valuable with you know many of the many of my peers, which is a deep concern for craft, uh, mastery, the way things are done, and and even relative to success, there's an element of success that is uh, to create a phenomenal product in a way that matters. And I think that that's totally legitimate. There's you know if you can make a sensational table in a really great way. You're living in a way that, um, you know, values maturation, values skill, but you're not answering the other half of the question, and that's the Wendell Berry element about relationship. And it is, you no, know, what are you trying to do? What is the change or the effect that you want your mastery to have?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that it's a really uh, core thing that I feel, and I, I would argue that a lot of uh, young. Men and women feel these days as regards to work they want to do good in the world and to know that we are part of a group that's offering though they may not have these words redemption restoration justice they they fall into some of those categories they fall into i want to be doing good i want to be helping others i want to be leaving the world in a better place you know regard wherever you're coming from um but that, that also doesn't mean i need to go out and change the world mm-hmm. like Actually, there are conversations that I had as a bartender with coworkers and customers that were meaningful, and they were places I could offer something. Uh, Doing good in the world as it pertains to our jobs is actually looking at our jobs as not the end, but as the means of accomplishing some really phenomenal work.
1: Yes. And, you know, when I think about your job as a bartender, and, you know, I just remember a, a few different occasions where you were telling a story where you just had the opportunity to ask a person a really simple question like you know what makes you happy yeah and you know it like that she was, person she that was floor. has never been asked anything that serious but it again makes me think of um of just the core significance of having had the opportunity to develop a vision for what you want the world to look like as an if you want to create change in a person's life that actually requires a vision of the wholehearted person that positions you to ask that kind of question. Mm and it's such a key part and i feel like a part uh, that i often miss when i'm you know jumping into a new project or i'm wrestling with whether or not i think my work is successful is not taking the time to think through you know how would i define a flourishing person what do i what are that characteristics how do i define a flourishing community and what are the characteristics of that community because that allows you to be working towards a specific result of you know you know with a customer that like a fundamental value is engaging with a person's joy and that that's going to tell you about the aliveness of their heart which allows you to ask a question as simple as what makes you happy that is actually rich for that person
0: right in that context uh, asking the person across from the bar what makes you happy you might get you know some smart ass answer about a particular kind of liquor uh, whereas when knowing that space of conversation and an engagement that like there is this interplay which is why I can't just say it's not just when you do good work and this is what work looks like this is how you can do vocational success you can have this idea of um, engaging and and building on something building in a direction and to do good and to engage the world well you don't get to do that if you've also ignored the character side Mm -hmm. and if you haven't also been growing that ability to ask those questions to uh to offer kindness because if you if you don't know what kindness is or how to use those muscles you will not be able to offer it yes yeah and that actually takes me back to what three
1: qualities or what three virtues and i'm just limiting it to three for no reason you can add on more or you could just only do a couple Yep, totally arbitrary yeah very deeply arbitrary would you love to be true of you or love to be uh, indicative of your effect in your 20s?
0: Mm. Um, In my 20s is the really helpful caveat because if it's a, as an older man, it would be different. But since it's in my 20s, I'd love for it to be true that I have a willingness to learn and that I have an ability to learn to respond. Um, that's one virtue that I would... I would want said of me. The other two are ones that I would want throughout my whole life, and they are to be a man of strength and a man of kindness.
1: Dude, we had two of the same three. Look, you right wrote, there. You wrote these down before yeah, asked the question? Yeah, I wrote question? them down before I asked the question. What <laughs> years. Well, I wrote humility, yep, uh, fortitude, and curiosity.
0: And simply to add a little definition. They sound very similar. They're very, very similar. Humility, but- kindness... Fortitude, strength, curiosity, learning. Yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, when you're born as brothers, you're born as brothers.
1: <laughs> wow. I think for me, while I was thinking about those things, um, and simply when I think about the people who I see, you know, in my world, or even the people that I see on Facebook uh, engaging really well, um, there's this the, what I'm lumping in with curiosity uh, is this commitment uh, to learn and to understand in order to act in a way that is just. To really um, have a grasp of uh, the issues and concerns of your world and respond, not just appropriately, uh, but in a way that is judicious and has something of righteousness in it. And then, you know, in the fortitude one of strength, I simply think of this, you know, this ability to persevere through irritations, uh, to to have the ability to be patient in conversation, um, to... Have the stamina not to lose sight of a long-term goal of restoration and keep moving towards it, whether that's in work or in a relationship. And I think in the humility one, I don't incline towards uh, really listening often to people um, I know what I think about a lot of things, Uh, or if I've just finished a book about a topic, I'm pretty sure I'm authority on it. (laughs) And I just contrast that with like someone like a Dan Allender who not only has read more and has a more nuanced understanding, um, but is simply prepared by his talents to have the best view or one that is better than mine. And yet nonetheless is incredibly humble in his, Mm -hmm. in the way that he approaches um, a very complex topic that honors me and, uh, the small amounts of work I have put in, um, while also just having this incredible ability to give only the appropriate or only the helpful elements uh, of a topic to the conversation that are actually going to help me wrestle with or understand or change in relationship to a topic.
0: Mm. Those three things to me are, that you asked, obviously, this was, I don't know if this was your intent or not, but that that strikes me as almost like the treadmill or like the stationary bike or like the ride where you can, if you're able to name them, which is a huge part of even this whole millennial conversation that we want to be having of categories. As you're able to name things and identify them, you're able to engage them and or acknowledge their uh, effect on you and therefore operate with more vision, with more clarity, with more effect. And it feels like if I know what I need this day is, you know, I need yes. a 30-minute bike ride, like, great that's super helpful. If I know that I want to be developing is kindness, like that's going to help me answer whether or not the job working on the floor as a vacuum salesman is worthwhile, even outside of my career. Would that help me with kindness? Would that help me with these other, like it it opens up a whole new and very tangible way of engaging conversations. And there's this quote I love that's by Rick Warren. God is more interested in the man you are becoming than in what you accomplish. Yeah. And that feels like if you could put a slogan on success, um, that that's totally true because our answers for both vocation and character, like they're all connected in the effect that you have in the world rather than on that that desire that I felt, you know months and years ago and even this morning, which was to to build something and put my name on it. Mm-hmm. Um, God is more interested in the man that I am becoming than in what I accomplish.
1: Yeah, I love that and there's something about that vision that allows the situations, um, the unspecific situations of your life, like which is simply the the work that you happen to be doing at a given time, to be contexts, In which you can perform a much deeper work devoted to success, which is, this is an opportunity uh, to become patient. This is an opportunity to understand um, how to live curiously, and I'm going to do that in this place. And that can be done as a bartender or in uh, far less auspicious work situations.
0: Yeah, so guys, thanks for listening. Um, I hope that this, uh, conversation around success and what a 20 something would define success as has been helpful and insert th- some things up. Um, this is a topic that we're going to be diving into more, the Millennial world, more, um, work and on all of those ideas are things that, um, we'll be revisiting, but got some great stuff coming for you next week. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. You need to be sure to subscribe now and follow us on social media under Ansons Magazine.
1: And of course, for articles and films, check out ansonsmagazine.com.